Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Good catch up every once in a while with Professor Luke O'Neill from Trinity College to see where we're going with regard to COVID-19. And Luke, in the week where we now have one drug already licensed in the UK and a second drug going to be made here in Cork, things are changing, aren't they? Good morning again. Like, good morning, Pete. Nice to talk to you again. Yeah, they are changing big time, Pete, if it all holds together, of course. I mean, we've two antivirals now, which showed really strong response in terms of preventing severe disease and hospitalization. The latest one is the Pfizer drug, as you mentioned. Mm. Skiddy will be the place they're going to make it for the world, which is great for, for Ireland, isn't it? Let's hope we get access to it because the trial data was very striking. You know, 89% decreased risk of hospitalization. Now, of course, once we get to the real world, it might go down. There may be one or two things, you know, yeah. that might change with that. But certainly it looks really good at the moment. So it's really good news. So to me, Pete, it's as big as the vaccine news a year ago, to be honest, because as I say, if it all holds together, we've got two powerful antivirals drugs against this virus. Do we know when Pavlovid might become available? Well, it's under review at the moment in the European Medicines Agency and the FDA in America because the, the regulators have to look at all the data. We haven't seen any data, by the way. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a press release, you know. But still, we're confident. And I, I, was speak, I was speaking to someone in Pfizer actually last week and they were saying it's looking really good, you know. We've got to wait, though. We wait for the regulators to say, yes, it's safe. The data looks strong. And then they approve it. They get emergency use, it's called, because this pandemic is still seen as an emergency for obvious reasons. I would say within a month or so, we'll see approval, you know. Yeah. Then it's a question of getting, getting it out. And I bet Ring of Skiddy, PJ, is working flat out to make millions of doses. It wouldn't surprise me. They're, they're cranking. They're quite straightforward to make. They're easier to make than a vaccine. Yeah. Because it's a tablet. You know, it's, it's easier and to make. And the technology, so, as we were discussing earlier in the week, Lou, the technology is the, the, the protease inhibitor, the, the kind of thing yeah. that has helped people with HIV to live a perfectly normal life. That, that gives us confidence, PJ, because there's other protease inhibitors out there already that for HIV, hepatitis C is another one, you know, another viral disease. They're, they're protease inhibitors as well. It's in the same class of drug, and, that, and they work, and they're very safe, you know. So, therefore, that gives us confidence that this should work. And, by the way, Pfizer are the world experts on protease blockers anyway, and they stepped up and, and ramped up that program. It's the first specific drug for SARS-CoV-2, by the way. The molnupiravir, the yeah. Merck drug, that have been tried against flu and various other viruses, you know. This, this one's tailor-made against the enemy, if you will. And that, again, that gives us confidence, you know. Yeah, it's, a, it's exciting times. It's still worrying times, though, with the daily case numbers, Luke, so high and the hospitals under a bit of pre- nothing, nothing like the pressure that we're under in January, but under, under a bit of pressure. Is there a study from the UK about the spread? Is it that young people are the biggest spreaders now? 
Yeah, there's evidence for that. Yeah, I mean, there was a big study in The Lancet uh, about a week ago now, I suppose, which showed that it was it was quite common in five-year-olds and up, actually, are carrying the virus, obviously. And there was evidence in the teens, especially, that they were spreading it, you know. And it's, it's natural, PJ. Anybody who's infected, it can be any age, there's a risk that they're going to be a source of infection, you know. So, and it's mainly in the young people. It's mainly in the unvaccinated groups, of course, as well. So it wouldn't be that surprising to say that children and, and teenagers will be a source of spread. Mm. It can be hard to pin these numbers down of course overall yeah. but, but that's, what, that's, that's, that's not demonising them either that's just saying look, by no but, means yeah, yeah. No. they're an unvaccinated that's, cohort so there's another study isn't there and more research being done that we now know that you know even if you are vaccinated A you can get it and B you can spread but there's more work being done isn't there on how spreadable you are or how infectious you are with vaccine you are infectious but not for as long a you time are. Yeah, that, that gets misunderstood slightly, Peter. You can get infected if you're vaccinated, and we knew that anyway, you know. Now, that wasn't clear from the initial trial, by the way, where there was no infections happening in the initial trial, you know, and we could say it was protecting against that. But in the real world, uh, some people might pick up a virus in their nose, you see, because the immune system hasn't got to the nose, but it won't make you sick. I mean, there's no doubt the vaccines are stopping people, as you just said, ending up in hospital, which is tremendous, you see. But you can spread it, but for less than someone who's unvaccinated, because it's in your nose for less time, because your immune system can handle it. So maybe for a given day, someone who's vaccinated might spread it. Maybe spreading it, maybe not. Maybe not on day four. Got yeah. the infection because they've cleared it. Whereas if you're unvaccinated, it'll last for longer in your body. Yeah. So when you look at a whole population over the course of a week or two, say the vaccinated ones are spreading it less overall. So it does decrease transmission. Yeah. And we must cl- we must clarify that because yeah. that keeps coming but, but, up. But, but oh, let's let's put that in 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 black and white terms. So you remember before the vaccines, when the virus was developing in your body you could be infectious for a period of ending up to five or seven days and that was yeah, half the yeah. danger of the spread. If you're vaccinated and you happen to get infected, which you can, that period is much shorter. Yeah, that's right. And your load your load might be high for the day you're infected because it's in your nose and it's growing like crazy. But eventually your immune system kicks in and helps to clear it, you see. So there'll be a shorter time. with them. And then there's data supporting that yeah. over time as well. It could be as much as 50, 60 percent. It depends on what study you look at. Decreased transmission overall in the vaccinated group, you know what I mean, compared to unvaccinated. So it's an important thing to, 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 to emphasise, really. Talking to... Um, Professor Liam Fanning from UCC the other morning and he's of the view, Luke, that it may be this booster plan which now stops at the age of 60 or anyone who's immunocompromised or immunosuppressed that effectively they need to give a booster or make it available at least to all of us. Yeah, may head in that direction, PJ. We're not sure yet. I mean, the data is still emerging and waning. Now, obviously, again, it's a new disease, PJ. We're still looking at people closely. The immunologists are watching this, you know. It may turn out that you see waning in the over 50s might begin. It might take longer to wane because they've got a stronger response overall. And as you ramp down through the ages, the waning might be less. But if there is evidence of waning in the younger cohort, say 50s and up and 40s and up, we'd be wise then to give them boosters because yeah. the vaccine's going, going off in them, obviously. And see, from Singapore, they're now offering it to anyone over 30. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You can go in hard on this as well, of course, if you want. Certain, certain Israel are doing that. You know, yeah. they're, they're going to boost everybody, it seems. You so we may head in that direction. Going hard and the going early, feature. if you like. Remember what they did in New Zealand? You know, going hard and yeah, going early. You know, they did that. that. Kind of idea. Yeah. Is, is, that, is, that, is, is that a way we should think about 
Well, I worry about the developing world always, Pete, because yeah. they have a massive need for vaccine. You see, there's many people in highly vulnerable categories, healthcare workers, unvaccinated in those countries, and they're at a much higher risk than someone who's in their 50s who's been vaccinated, you see. So as long as supply isn't an issue, we, we, if, if, in parallel would be ideal, really, you know. Yeah. In other words, get, get the vaccine out widely, both to people who, in whom it's waning and also then in people who really need it in developing countries. As long as we keep an eye on that, I'd be happy enough to see the, uh, the under-60s yeah. begin the process in that age group as well. There was a study in the Lancet also about the two strategies that we've argued about from day one here. Elimination, like they tried in Australia, New Zealand and many other parts of the world and it worked to a point, then Delta changed the game and then mitigation, which we've all been doing. And I think they're still not decided on which was the best one. No, it's hard to know. In a sense, again, we learned a lot from that, didn't we? You could do your best to keep it out, and, and you couldn't. You know, in the end, it got into New Zealand, got into Australia, because it's so transmissible, you see. It, it doesn't take any prisoners, this virus, Pidge, in a sense. It, it look for your weak spot yeah. and then break through it. It's highly infectious. We know that much. You know, by now, it's extremely infectious. So it's very hard to see zero COVID actually ever being possible in that sense. And it also means, PJ, we mightn't get rid of it in the immediate term. It'll always be burning away somewhere, you know? Mm. And as long as we've anti antivirus, Let's re-emphasize that. Yeah. If you have antivirals, that's tremendous. I mean, what the trial showed was, if you get take the tablet within three days of symptoms, it decreased your risk of hospitalization by 89%. Isn't that great? So again, you can see now, it may well be burning away in our communities. There's a tablet available now to kill it. And of course, the vaccine prevention is better than cure always, you see. So, mm. so we have the double whammy now of the vaccine and the antiviral, really. Do you see a day in the near future or midterm future, Luke, when I'll stop, for example, checking the HSE report every evening or every morning to see just how much pressure the hospitals are under. Do you see that anywhere on the horizon? Well, I see it on the horizon. You won't be ringing me anymore, PJ. How about that one? Because you won't be able to talk about that. But no, I, I, I think so. Yes. I mean, the case numbers to me is unusual because they don't tell us an awful lot. It's good they have the information, of course. Mm. And, and, and But we see cases every night. We'll stop reporting cases. We don't report cases of other infectious diseases, do we? So, so that'll stop, I predict. And then it's the, it's the ICU hospital admissions. We'll keep reporting those, you see. So, But no, you're right. It has, it has to. I mean, I, I'd be optimistic by the time we get to March, April of next year it'll be a different world entirely for this virus yeah. because those antivirals will be available and we're coming into the summer again and as you know it's, it's, a, it's a seasonal virus you see so yeah. so all those pressures well, well, we, we've accepted it's seasonality now have we? I think, yeah, but like most respiratory viruses, they go for the winter, you know, because you're indoors. That's the main reason it's seasonal. You're indoors and it spreads more indoors, you know. The more outdoors we are, as we know, the lower the risk. So as soon as we get to go outdoors again, the thing begins to, to, to go away, you see, and begins to decrease, if you like. So that, that's, what, that's what next year will look like, I think. Okay, so with a combination of the antiviral for when you get diagnosed, the vaccines for the vulnerable and those who need it, yep. and this, uh, accepting the seasonality, 2022 at last could see yeah. the back end of this thing. That's right. And then also, PJ, if, you, if you're vaccinated and you get infected, you can take an antiviral. Remember, that's your, that's your belt and braces now. I see. see. So, so the fact that the vaccinated get infected is less of a concern because the antivirals are there. And what the antiviral does, PJ, it decreases your viral load massively. So you're definitely going to be less infectious if you take an antiviral, you know. So in other words, as I say, it's, the, it's this belt and braces is what I would call it in a way. Yeah. You know? and, and it's another great weapon to have, really. And my last one before, I know you're under some time pressure. The thing about a person who gets COVID now having to stay out of work for a few days and maybe not get paid. Will antivirals change that? Like, can I take an antiviral and go to work? 
Well, I, I need to see. I mean, again, once it's out in the real world, we'll see how those antivirals perform. But certainly if they, if they decrease your time with the disease, you know what I mean? In other words, if you if you don't take it, you might be sick for a week or so. This might make it a two or three day disease and then you go back to work. That, that's a real prospect of that. It may require testing, of course, in this phase, but that, okay. that's a real prospect as well. All right. Isn't good always to catch up with you. And I know you've got another engagement, so I'll leave you go there. Professor Luke O'Neill from Trinity College, Department of Biochemistry and Immunology. Courts 96 FM.